This forum is part of the City Club's Health Equity Series, sponsored by the Sisters of Charity Foundation. We are grateful for their generous support. This forum is part of City Club's Health Innovation Series, sponsored by Medical Mutual. We are grateful for their generous support. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. I'm Dan Malthrop, Chief Executive here and a proud member. Today is May 7th. You're with a virtual City Club forum. We're live from the studios of our public media partner, 90.3 WCPN Idea Stream. Big thanks to them. Even before the effects of COVID-19 ravaged the nation, healthcare providers and social service organizations were putting increased effort into addressing people's most basic needs. Things like food insecurity, safe housing, childcare, counseling, and transportation and employment. This was due in part to increased awareness of the reality that community conditions and social needs, what we often refer to as social determinants of health, play a huge role in a person's mental and physical health and their ability to recover from illness. The City Club has convened several forums on these topics over the years, and today we're pleased to focus on a new solution happening right here in Cleveland. Both the Cleveland Clinic and the Metro Health System have partnered with Unite Us. That's a technology company that connects healthcare and social care providers through a shared electronic resources referral platform. And this partnership is called Unite Ohio. It allows for electronic referrals to and between social service organizations to address a patient's social determinants of health and then actually track the outcomes. So today we're talking with the individuals leading the launch of Unite Ohio and how they think it will improve the health of Northeast Ohio's most vulnerable residents. Joining us are Daniel Brillman. He's co-founder and CEO of Unitus, Unite Us. Also with us, Dr. Nazleen Barmal. She's the Associate Chief of Community Health and Partnerships at Cleveland Clinic. And for Metro Health, Sue Fuhrer. She's president of the Institute for Hope, which stands for Health Opportunity Partnership and Empowerment. That's with the Metro Health System. As I said, if you have questions for our speakers about this, about attacking the difficult, thorny issue of social determinants of health, please text your question to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. You can also tweet your questions at the City Club, and we'll work them into the program. Dan Brillman, Dr. Nazleen Barmal, and Sue Fuhrer, welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. It's great to see all of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you. Dr. Uh, Dan Brillman, I want to start with you and the kind of origin of the Unite Us story. Um, how did this get started? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this started... 2010 was when the problem uh, started and that I, that I acknowledged. I'm an Air Force reservist. I'm still in uh, the Air Force as a pilot. I've been there for about 14 years. And I was in the middle of business school and veterans that I served with started calling me uh, the, expecting that I could solve both their health and their social, social service issues. Uh, I tried to help as much as I can. And what that meant was I was calling organizations across the country uh, where people were back in their hometowns, and uh, I saw that it was very fragmented. And they were, you know, ha giving me some handoffs or numbers for other agencies if they couldn't help them. And I became so frustrated that I really wanted to solve this for uh, the people I served with. 
Uh, and the way we, we thought about the problem um, is that people have multiple needs throughout their lifetimes. And uh, there's lots of organizations that, that service those, those needs, but not everyone does every type of service. So that requires a lot of deep coordination. And ultimately, it was on the veteran and the people that I served with that had to navigate each little silo of healthcare, government, and social services. And so our goal as a technology company was to bring those organizations together as a coordinated system and what's called a network that effectively uh, provides whole person care and services around that person so that they don't have to navigate themselves uh, through all these, these silos. And ultimately that improves health um, and, and efficiently lowers costs across the board. Uh, and so we did that for about uh, five years in, in, focused on veterans and military families. And then quickly the social determinants of health became a, a very popular term in, in the industry. And, and we became more uh, population agnostic. We wanted this to be more of an infrastructure for entire communities entire or states that allowed for the secure connectivity between all these organizations that do amazing, great work, but really needed that connection between each other and ensuring that the person got the service on the other end. Uh, we operate now in uh, 42 states. We're uh, over a 500 person company. And ultimately we're extremely mission driven and we're really about the end goal. Did that person get the help they needed? Uh, and we're excited to be here and obviously working in, in Ohio as well with great partners that are on the, the call with us. How many different cities are you working in right now? Uh, lots. Uh, so in the 42 states, um, most of the metro areas, we've gone uh, obviously very deep in, into rural areas as well. Um, and I think it's over a thousand counties. We think about uh, from uh, where services are, how people access those services. Um, and so across those 42 states, it's, it gets very deep into, into those communities. So it's really beyond the city limits. Um, it's really getting, you know, where are those services? Where do people need help? And that's, it. that's where we ensure our staff are on the ground um, working with those agencies to ensure that we have the supply to service the needs. Dan Broman is the founder and CEO of Unite Us, a key partner in the Unite Ohio effort that is being led locally uh, by Dr. Nazlene Barmal at the Cleveland Clinic and Sue Fuhrer at uh, Metro Health Systems. Dr. Barmal, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how, what a fundamental shift this is for hospital systems and your colleagues who, who deliver medical care to be focused in this way on social determinants of health. I want to say, first of all, great to be here. It's actually very in a very exciting time, but it is a huge shift, just like you said, for an organization that is a large integrated healthcare system that's used to delivering complex medical care inside clinical walls to shift their thinking to be thinking about conditions that were, that affect where people are born, live, play, work, worship, the social determinants. And with that shift, it comes the recognition that Healthcare systems might not be the experts in this area and really do need to partner with organizations that have the expertise to meet the social needs of patients, which we know have a huge impact on their overall health. In fact, play a significant role on their overall health. So in this effort for more, many hospitals to really create like the healthiest communities around them, it involves like listening to their patients, responding to their needs, partnering with the experts and investing in communities. We're so excited about Unite Us because we feel that that particular platform in collaboration with community-based organizations and our uh, healthcare colleagues like Metro actually meets all of those areas to get us to have healthier communities. So Doctor, 
Dr. Barmel, if I could interrupt for just a moment, um, I think social determinants of health as a phrase has become shorthand for a lot of people who um, who are in social services, who are in the healthcare, in the world of healthcare, and who kind of um, understand what what that refers to. But there's a, a number of listeners, I think, who, who don't actually fully get what we're talking about when, when we say that phrase, social determinants of health. Yeah. It's uh, social determinants of health are basically the community conditions um, where people live, work, play, worship. They include things such as housing, employment, education, transportation, utilities, food. And we know more and more that where you live has a greater impact on your health than your genetic code. This idea that your zip code plays a larger role in, in your overall health than your genetic code. So. It's often the root causes for health and disease, and it's impacted by things like economics um, and social and economic policies. Dr. Nazlene Barmel is with the Cleveland Clinic. Sue Fuhrer with the Metro Health System is, is with us as well. Sue is president of the Institute for Hope, and I've already forgotten exactly what H-O-P-E stands for. I think the E is empowerment, Sue, but um, they help us understand uh, where Metro comes into all of this. Sure. So, you know, Metro has been really the um, healthcare system that has taken care of everybody um, in our community for nearly 200 years. And we've had many, many programs for a long time that really have moved beyond the walls of the hospital to help everyone live their healthiest life and address some of these social needs that our patients have. But a couple years ago, Dr. Akram Boutros, the CEO, really decided that we were going <clears> to <throat> move a little bit faster and uh, really try to take the lead in this area and created the Institute for Hope, which stands for Health Opportunity Partnership and Empowerment. Thank you. And so we've... No, go ahead. Got Keep it. going. Keep going. Yeah, but thank you for <laughs> filling, filling in those blanks that I left before. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we've been at it for a couple of years now, and um, early on in our, our journey, we recognized that as a community, we had a lot to learn from our uh, healthcare systems experience in electronic health records, where we have different ones and they don't talk. And so at the Institute for Hope, we convened people in the community. So we actually brought in the healthcare systems, United Way, Center for Health Affairs, Dr. Gallette at Case Western Reserve, Better Health Partnership. And we started evaluating um, referral platforms, recognizing that you know we had to be able to talk together and it had to be transparent. Um, and we had some criteria. Um, mainly that it was, you know, free or low cost to all 501c3s um, and federally qualified healthcare centers, that not only did the health systems talk to the CBOs, community-based organizations, but the community-based organizations could refer to each other. And we just had a, a great example with Seeds of Literacy where we had a listening session with Unitas and they said, you know, so often we have people that can't read, but they have so many other social needs and we didn't know what to do. And Unitas is the perfect fit because now we have an easy way to reach out to our partners that may have food needs and things like that. So through evaluation, we picked Unitas and uh, we launched at Metro the first on September 22nd, 2020. So we've been at it just a little more than six months now. And what have you found in six months? We have found that um, through screening, 60% um, of the patients that we see have at least one social need and nearly 20% have three or more social needs. So there is a huge demand out there. And through the Unitas network, we can create referrals for the social domains, such as food, transportation, housing, utilities, even digital connectivity. Um, and we can connect you know, through a 
a very meaningful way through private, you know, that's private and HIPAA controlled, we can connect that patient with the CBO. And when that CBO <clears throat> the community-based organization. Community-based organization responds to the healthcare system everybody can see. So, you know, the reality is our patients go to Metro and the clinic and UH and even the VA. Um, and they use CBOs. So this is helping things be really efficient because if the Greater Cleveland Food Bank is going to address a need for a patient, the Hunger Network doesn't need to step in. The Euclid Food Pantry doesn't need to step in. So it's really making it effective. What we hope to see, you know, as we grow is that clinical care teams will be able to see what has been done. So when the patient comes back, you know, they'll say, oh, we see you got utilities, so you now have a refrigerator and I can safely prescribe insulin for you. And I know that you're going to be able to take that insulin. You know, and the goal will be, hopefully we'll reduce some of the frustration that our clinicians see because so much depends outside the medical facilities. You know, doctors and nurses need help and Unitas Network is gonna help us do that. Dan Brillman, could you uh, tell us, share some of the success stories from other cities where this has been in place for a while and how that's transformed the patient experience? Sure. Yeah. And it's great that you said that the patient experience is, is of the utmost importance because ultimately it's about them and improving their health and, and the ways in which we do that. But ultimately the patient now doesn't have to navigate through all the different silos, right? That, that existed before they had to navigate themselves to food organizations and to the medical world and to the government's services for benefits. And so no longer, you know, do they have to do that? Everyone in this network is an access point. So if they show up to any organization or they reach out um, into the network anywhere, everyone has the connectivity to each other. So that's really important. They only have to tell their story once. Um, and wait, ideally it's wait, not just wait, to the doctor. Wait, they only have to tell their story once. Because I, right. I mean, like every, 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 I mean, not only when you're entering healthcare, not only are you sharing your birthday every 10 minutes with somebody to ensure that you're the right person, <laughs> but typically what happens is that you have to, you know, you, in quarterbacking your own care, you have to tell your story again and again and again because there's, you know, first there's your, your primary care physician, then there's the resident, then there's the fellow, then there's the other person who comes in, and then the social worker drops by as well. But you're saying one it's it's one story and then everybody will access it and like and and on the provider side people are actually looking at it that way and saying oh I don't have to hear everything again. Yeah, so the best part about the the way we built our system is we built it around a client securely. So the network is comprised of all of these nodes around a client. The client has to consent to be part of the network. They they want to know that their their information is secured. We start again, we start with veterans and we protect our information like like gold. So we had to make sure that not only about HIPAA compliant, but right there's a lot of permissions that have to be controlled around medical information versus non-medical information, right? So it's not just an open open thing. It's very protected around who should see what. And and the purpose of that is, is so that, you know, when, when Metro Health or Cleveland Clinic sends something out to the food organization, that food organization takes it on. They're not, they're not just getting a name. They're getting the story so that the client doesn't have to say, oh, what type of food do you need? And all of these things over and over again. And then the food organization, if they expose another need like housing, they get it over to housing. And then that person doesn't have to say your name, email, phone number, all of those things over and over again because it's already stored. And now everyone, you think about this, becomes part of a care team. 
and a new type of care team that has not existed before. Um, and so it's around all of these different types of, of uh, uh, organizations that are now empowered to work together where otherwise it would have been all individual stories and phone calls and maybe everything else. In the cities where, and I, I'm sorry that I cut you off before about like the, the success stories yeah, sure. from the cities where you've, where you've worked the longest, are they finding that uh, communities are healthier and that costs are going down? Yeah, so that's it's a great question. And uh, when we talk about the word or, or the term ROI, return on investment, it means very different things to very different stakeholders. And so let's talk about community-based organizations for a second. We talked about the patients, so that's a, that's a very clear one. We should always focus on that. But we're saving about 85% of their administrative time, right? So they were spending hours and hours. When someone walked into the food organization, food wasn't the only need. There's always more than one uh, that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so when they tried to connect people externally, it was paper, phone calls, Googling, a list, and then printing something out, and then never knowing what happened on the other side. And we replaced that for about two minutes, right? To, and then you get alerts back, which is, you know, it sounds crazy, but it works really well. And so from an efficiency perspective and the data impact reporting that, that the community-based organizations get is, is really impactful. On the medical side, uh, one thing that was um, published in, in Forbes was on a thousand patients, just looking at a thousand patients before, and let's call them clients, clients that were not served in the network prior and then a thousand that were served in this community network in, in New York, a 16% reduction in, in emergency room visits. So what did that mean? That means organizations in the community all had the ability and the tools to surround these clients, serve these needs without clinical intervention, right? So that means we created this ecosystem, this infrastructure uh, that supported these people, and they became the first point of call before they walked into an emergency room visit, you know, whether it's for food or because they were homeless um, or for any other types of things that were not just related to medical, pure medical care. Um, and so that's an ROI, that's a cost savings. Um, and I hope we get to talk about, the, you know, where the future is going around this as we do bridge these two big um, systems of health and social care together. Dan Broman is founder and CEO of Unite Us. They're coming, they're here in Cleveland now uh, through a program called Unite Ohio, a partnership between Metro Health System and uh, the Cleveland Clinic. And if you'd like to join our conversation with a question about how this will work, how it will change the way healthcare is delivered for our most vulnerable neighbors, please uh, send a text Text to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794 for your questions. Or if you're on Twitter, you can tweet them at the City Club, and we will work them into the program. This is your City Club Friday Forum. I'm Dan Malthrop, by the way. Dr. Barmal, um, what are the metrics that you and your colleagues at the Cleveland Clinic are focused on? Yeah, we're really interested in, we've been screening our patients for sort of these health-related social needs, social determinants of health, and we've been referring mainly through social work and workers to community organizations. What we don't know is what happens afterwards. So we are extremely interested in the referral outcomes. And just as Dan mentioned, we are interested in three different levels. The patient experience, does this increase t trust? Are we seeing better health outcomes? Are we seeing that their needs are getting met? Um, we're interested in organizational outcomes, such as whether or not uh, healthcare costs are going down or unavoidable use of the emergency department is happening because social needs are being met. And we are definitely interested in the provider experience. Are we seeing decrease in burnout or emotional exhaustion from patients that have high social needs as well as complex medical conditions and knowing that we feel limited in what we can do in the clinic because we are unable to meet the other barriers that help them patients thrive? 
Sue Fuhrer over at Metro, I want to ask you about kind of how this fits with the philosophy that uh, Dr. Akram Boutros, president of Metro Health, has been talking about. For years, he's been talking about kind of pushing healthcare upstream and out of the hospital back into the community. And um, this, on its face, and I hope I'm not overstating this, but this sounds like holy grail type stuff that, you know, in terms of really connecting uh, connecting the the work of the hospital with the patient's actual needs out in the community, where you know the fact that these social determinants can affect, I guess the studies say eighty percent of their of their health outcomes. So you know, Akram has done a great job um, saying that none of us can do this alone, and that it's only through partnership that we are going to be able to make a difference. And I think that that's the advantage of Unite Us. So we already have 72 community-based organizations across Northeast Ohio that are participating. It literally grows, I think, every day. Um, and so what is the, the beauty of this is that it helps us get out into the community. And as Dan said, patients tell their story once, and then the community-based organizations have that information. And then now that we're getting to the point where they're responding, and the clinicians can see this, we'll be able to evaluate outcomes, but we're also going to be able to identify where we have pockets or gaps in our communities. You know, where do we need a food pantry or where do we need a grocery store? You know, what corner is there not adequate transportation so that people can get it? So, you know, we're going to really, as a community, be able to delve really into the data that will help us really have information to determine what kind of services we need across our community, where we have redundancies and where we have gaps. Dr. Barmel, uh, turning to the, to, back to you for a second, and, and in the screening process, I'm very curious to know how it functionally is working on some of the, the highest need areas in our community, the ones we talk about quite a lot here at the City Club. I'm thinking about um, lead poisoning, infant mortality, and uh, adverse childhood experiences, which we know can have these sort of incredibly like, devastating long-term effects on, you know, on adults who have, who have a certain number of ACEs, what are referred to as ACEs. But are you screening for those things? And, are, yeah, and do we have enough had- community-based organizations involved to address those needs? These are excellent questions. Well, thank you. <laughs> so for, uh, I'll just take it one by one, for, for just lead, which is about, not just about mitigation screening, which it's already too late, and then intervening, but it's actually about going more upstream. That's what I think these conversations allow us to do, which is really get to the root heart, root cause of why we're seeing some of these conditions happen. So for lead, I think it'll, it will definitely help us understand where there, we already know where there are pockets for housing. We are screening right now, but screening is a little bit more downstream, right? Once you've already, um, once you've already identified lead in, an, in a developing brain, all you can do is mitigate at that point. Right. And so is there an opportunity to think about really just intervening in the homes. Same thing with adverse childhood experiences. We know it has a he- both short-term and long-term consequences, and we do screen for adverse childhood experiences. I think one of the challenges is, which this network actually allows and this care coordination allows is, okay, who do we refer to now that we're screening them? Yes, we can refer people to, um, Uh, community mental health providers, but is there something that we can do on the front line once we're screening to do an intervention right then and there? Can we have conversations as a region to talk about social and emotional health and what kind of interventions we should be doing either at the family level, the healthcare level, the school, the workplace? 
to address some of these issues. So the universe of uh, nonprofit organizations, 501c3s, community-based organizations, these all refer to the same thing, but the universe of those in Cuyahoga County is somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000. Um, not all of them are direct care providers or the kinds of organizations that would be a part of this network or need to be a part of this network, but the number is certainly far greater than 78. So um, so who, if which organizations, which kinds of organizations should be thinking about getting involved here? Sue, Sue Fuhrer? Sure. So, you know, food, transportation, housing, utilities, digital connectivity, education, employment, legal, behavioral health, and other health care. You know, the, the gathering place, for example, takes care of cancer patients. We work closely. Um, you know, they may need wigs or things like that. So really that you know there's a big huge gambit of organizations that are extremely helpful um and then the beauty is is that through this network the, or as i said before the organizations can refer to each other too so it doesn't have to be health related needs also so again you know we're out trying to get the word out and uh, we're relatively new at this we've implemented it in the midst of a pandemic um and which is uh, both great really timing excited. and terrible timing yes you know um actually somebody from um that was involved said early on they said you know we knew we needed this before the pandemic we did start convening we we were this close before the right when the pandemic hit um of signing and they said but boy do we need it now more than ever boy has the pandemic really demonstrated just how fragmented our system is and when you lose the face-to-face in pay you know interaction and you're solely relying on the phone or the electronics the you know unitas makes it a whole lot easier dan Brillman, are there I'd love to hear about organizations uh, outside of Ohio, and I should mention right now, the, somebody should mention the URL. We haven't even mentioned that. If people want to find, I think it's Unite Ohio. If, they, if, they sur- if you Google Unite Ohio, you will find it, right? Like, let's all agree that that's, that's the quickest way. Dan Brillman, though, turning to you, and somebody will send me the URL in a second, I'm sure. Um, could you share a story about a sort of unlikely organization that joined uh, that joined the network and what the the impact that that had on their clients and their organization. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with uh, the the URL ohio.uniteus.com. Thank you, a, sir. That'll be a helpful one. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I, I like to always bring up uh, churches. Um, that's been a, a really interesting um, journey, and uh, and then schools as well. Uh, and I, I bring these up because they're they're access points. Uh, you may not think of them as just you know service delivery organizations, but where do people show up every day or every week, right? Where they may talk about their needs with someone. It may be a school nurse. It may be the pastor, right? These are new places. These are not doctors um, where you have to go to the doctor to tell them about your needs. These are other places where they show up, uh, and they become organizations in the platform because they 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 see the need all day. Um, and so I just I, I like to bring those up because it may not be you know it might be that, that light bulb oh that's obvious that they that they should be part of it uh, but these are all organizations that may not you know electronically receive every day but they for sure are access points where otherwise it may be a, a much more emergency uh, response to uh, to those needs where they can be solved because someone said something in a, in a place of worship or uh, in a school setting um, with the school nurse as an example. Sufir, go ahead. I was just going to say the community development organizations too. We've had several of those join, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they are also another point um, that see a lot of people that have need. 
and it makes it a whole lot easier for them. You know, I've been thinking about, as we've been discussing this, my brain is going to uh, some conference calls that I've been on around efforts to increase vaccination rates and make sure that everybody has access to the mass vaccination clinics that have been at the Wolstein Center. Sue, uh, Sue Fuhrer and, and Dr. Barmal, you may have been on the same conference calls that I was on. But um, but it seems to me that those are the networks, like those are the groups that, um, and every organization that is, you know, funded through, that was funded at any point through like the COVID-19, the Greater Cleveland COVID-19 Rapid Response Fund should be heading, if they're not already part of the network, they should they should be heading over there right now to check it out. And it's and it appears to be pretty straightforward to sign up. Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, thank you for confirming my suspicion about how easy it is to sign up. We're talking with Sue Fuhrer of Metro Health. She's the president of the HOPE Institute there, which stands for Health Opportunity Partnership and Empowerment. Uh, Dr. Nazleen Barmal is uh, with the Cleveland Clinic. She's Associate Chief of Community Health and Partnerships there. And Dan Brillman is our uh, is our man from out of town. He's the CEO and founder of Unite Us. Unite Us, has, if you've just joined us, has come to Cleveland to partner with these two institutions. They hope to bring in more healthcare institutions. And I suspect that the reason it's called Unite Ohio and not just Unite Cleveland is that they have bigger aspirations even beyond Greater Cleveland as well. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question about uh, how this works, how it will uh, affect our neighbors and uh, and how it might affect you and your organization or your life, you can text your question to 330-541-5794. The number again is 330-541-5794 to text your question. And if you're on Twitter, please tweet it at the City Club and we'll work it into the second half of the program. It's your City Club Friday Forum and the Q&A starts now. Um, so here's a question. In exchange for tax-exempt status, hospitals are required to provide a community benefit as part of their annual and to report that on their annual tax forms. We know most of the community benefit spending from hospitals is for financial assistance. Example uh, is the differences between what Medicaid costs and what it actually pays for, what Medicaid care costs and what it actually pays for. But why not devote some of that spending to actual upstream factors and investment into the physical Cleveland community, things like lead abatement, for instance, or mitigation, uh, creating lead-safe housing, rather than just dealing with the effects of these issues when people eventually come into the hospital? Dr. Barmal. Yeah, we can do both, and Mm -hmm. we should be doing both, and we are doing both. And I would say that all of our healthcare systems, we are very fortunate in uh, in Cleveland and in Northeast Ohio are doing both. So we are not just screening people and then uh, and then addressing their issues medically. We are also talking about taking part of our investment and putting into housing and doing lead abatement. Very exciting time. More and more uh, healthcare systems are joining this effort because we all recognize that housing is health. Sufir? Yeah, I think we've seen uh, Metro in action with actually building houses near uh, the Metro Health System in the Clark Fulton neighborhood. We just started via SANA, um, an $80 million project with 72 affordable units um, that will be finished in 2022. And on the first floor is actually going to be an economic opportunity center where people from the community, anyone from the community can actually walk in and get the assistance. And, and we will have a, a presence there, the Institute for Hopewell. Thanks. Dan Brillman, a question for you. While collaborating on Unite Us is obviously good alignment and information and an important information sharing step for addressing short-term health care provision and, and accessing social services, how does it lead to investments in mid- and long-term upstream solutions needed in both community conditions and in policy? 
Yeah, that's a great, great question. And uh, Unitas is, while a technology company, we're really building a new model of care. Uh, and, there, and it goes way beyond the just the connections and the outcomes that we're tracking, right, that are getting people healthier. We're, what we're really moving towards is, is a new type of model that brings social care organizations, these community-based organizations, to the same priority level as a doctor. Uh, and what that requires is policy shifting. It requires new types of payment models of how to reimburse these organizations. If they're doing great work uh, and they're saving hospitals money and, and the government money, how do, we, how do we fund them and reimburse them similar to how businesses get paid or doctors get paid? Uh, and that's really what we're working on. You're seeing that happening across the country from a policy shift where no longer is it just about how can I, you know, what is the charge for the knee surgery? It is organizations like uh, insurance companies can start paying for things that ultimately improve health and keep people out of the hospital for unnecessary uh, utilization. And so the next step in the journey of our, our company and what we'll be doing together over the long term is how do we balance the, the human service portion, right? And how do we elevate those types of organizations that are truly improving health um, and balance that with, with medical care as well. Uh, and that's the exciting part about where the industry is going and policy is moving that way. Obviously the, the administration, uh, new administration in office as well. Uh, and you're seeing it obviously on the ground. People need these services and, and you're seeing philanthropy, healthcare dollars all um, you know, looking towards that. Now the, the goal is to centralize it. How do we all get to be talking the same language and investing in things um, with data, uh, using data? Another question for any of you, really, but Dan Brillman, we'll start with you. What is next for Unite Ohio? I, I alluded to this earlier, that it's Unite Ohio and not Unite Cleveland or Cuyahoga. So will other health systems in Cleveland and across the state join the network to serve more people? Is that, I, Can you talk more about that? Yep. Yeah. So a network is, is as great as the network. So the goal is to always uh, improve and grow the network. It is never just a, there's never a stopping point to a network. It's always evolving. It's always maturing. Uh, and it all, it, it requires a village. Uh, it takes a village to do this type of work. And so not just more healthcare organizations, gov you know, we need different types of government organizations from um, city to you know municipalities, um, and uh, and then also more more services that that go outside of of the the counties that we're just starting in. So of course the goal is to uh, expand that across the state. And we we've heard from the organizations that are in the network already that they want to expand. They want more connectivity even outside because it's not just county based. People can travel to services. People move. Uh, and so we want to make sure the network is there to serve the needs. And so that requires of course continual growth. Is this something that for, you, uh, oh, Dr. Barmal, go ahead. Yeah, for Cleveland Clinic, we're actually invested in 13 counties in Northeast Ohio. So that will be live. We have not actually started implementing Unite Us, but we've been learning a lot from Metro's experience. We will do six counties um, in uh, by July, end of July, and then all 13 counties in Northeast Ohio where we have a presence. This is a very exciting, it includes rural and urban areas, and it's part of our overall community health effort, which is around heal, hire, and invest. Sufir? Um, certainly, we continue. We are the most experienced, um, so we continue to listen to our staff that are making referrals and are saying, hey, you know, this organization's not in the network, and we work very closely with Unitas to reach out to those networks. So every day we are learning, we are growing, we are excited that the Cleveland Clinic is going to join the network throughout those additional counties because that will certainly bring more organizations um, onto the network. And as Dan said, you know, the network is only as strong as the, the people that, and the organizations in it. 
Um, the, there are a lot of listeners in greater Cleveland who are wondering why university hospitals or um, St. Vincent Charity Hospital are not a part of this already or yet. Um, can you confirm or deny anything about that? I mean, do we know? Are they, I, I would assume, is it safe to assume that conversations are happening, Sue? Yes. Yeah, so we, you know, we've had lots of conversations and, um, you know, I think everybody is looking at it. Certainly it's been a, a really big year for healthcare institutions um, and everybody's had differing priorities. But, uh, you know, we are engaging not only the healthcare systems, but federally qualified healthcare centers. We've had some discussions with them to try to get them on board, um, too. So we're, we're certainly talking and sharing our experience with everyone. Great. Another question here uh, from our listeners, and if you do have a question, please text it to 330-541-5794. The number again to text your questions about our topic today, 330-541-5794. If you're on Twitter, please tweet your question at the City Club. We'll work them all in. Um, uh, Once a patient is referred to a community-based organization, can the healthcare providers who made the referral monitor the status of that referral within within the technology? I'm seeing a lot of nodding. Nobody on the radio can hear you nod. Yeah, Dan, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, Dan Brelman, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the foundation of of the product is can can you prove that the person got the services that they needed, and that's the that's the ultimate part of that. Uh, and so, of course, uh, you know, the, anyone that refers, and not just from healthcare out to the to the organization, but even between organizations, housing and food, they want to know did that person ever get there or not? Uh, what actually happened? Uh, and so these are the these are the critical things around why technology is so important because it answers those types of questions that used to be very offline, very manual, took a lot of time, and ultimately was a burden on the on the client in need. Uh, so that's 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 fundamental to the work that we're doing, and we always have to answer that question. And you know, and to, we go ahead, Sue. We've seen this, you know, real time where you know. Uh, a referral has not been answered timely. So then we know to reach out to a different organization. So that's helping us hone where we refer, which organizations we refer to. And it's also giving us, you know, real-time information, which organizations are able to respond to our needs and which ones aren't. And when, when the, when a patient comes to you with these unmet needs and you're able to establish that referral, Sufir, does the, is there somebody on staff at Metro who is assisting and making sure that the that the patient, the client, the our neighbor gets to the gets to the service, gets to the organization, um, it, not just like looking and seeing if it happened, but actually assisting in that process and helping to manage the care. So you know, the, yes, is the short answer, and I think we triage. So there are are many patients that you know it might work and say here you know. There's a food bank down, you know, food pantry down the street that works. For some patients, they need um, more um, touch, and you know, they might have many, many social needs, and that's where a community health worker or a social worker will step in. But what we're finding is that um, for many, many of our patients, Unitas is a perfect um, answer because they can put in what's going on, the agency can refer back, and then everybody sees. And if that's not met then we can allow our staff to work at their high, highest level of license. And then that social worker can reach out and say, okay, this patient didn't, wasn't able to connect on themselves by themselves, wasn't able to get what they need. So let's step it up and have a clinical intervention. Dan Brillman, a question for you, um, which I, I'm sure the answer is yes. So I'm going to ask you to explain more, but have you experienced any regulatory obstacles to sharing information with community-based organizations? I would imagine that there is nothing but regulatory obstacles that you've had to figure out. 
Yeah, um, I'll, I, I could disconnect it for about two seconds, okay. but I heard regulatory obstacles. Yeah, that's so the question. That's the talk question. about the regulatory obstacles and talk about how you figured that, how you, how you kind of untangled that knot. Absolutely. Uh, and we just submitted a letter to uh, ONC and OCR uh, because they're requesting actual changes to law. Uh, which alleviate the burden um, uh, of of the silos of information sharing. And uh, there's a lot uh, to be said there. So first and foremost, the patient has to direct their consent, um, which is a new process between stakeholders that never talk to each other electronically. So that is first and foremost, that is paramount to our work that is required. The second part of that uh, is that the organizations that we onboard, why it, it, we talk about quality and accountability uh, is because they have to be onboarded specifically by the types of services they provide. Uh, and this gets into the very uh, detailed services uh, around um, substance use, which is a, another law, 42 CFR part two, of how we, how we treat behavioral health information and substance use information. So there are very protected laws that even go beyond HIPAA related to that. So we had to build features around what's called sensitive service types, right? So it can't be shared with the network. It has to be direct relationships because that is what the law states. Um, is that a burden on, on clients in need ultimately sometimes? Yes, it is. And we know that, uh, but technology can secure data that way. And, and we've built this system um, to ensure that only people that should see what they uh, should see, see it. And otherwise they, they should not see it. And that's an important factor um, you know, of this. While it is a network, we wanna make sure we don't duplicate services, which is really important. Is this person already getting a service? Uh, and ultimately, when we talk about things like legal services, you know, can I tell the Cleveland Clinic what a client's you know, legal service is? No, I cannot, right? That's bound by a different even type, you know, confidentiality, but they want to know that a legal concern is taken care of, right? And that may be good enough for a doctor to understand that it is being taken care of. Um, so all of these things over eight years, it is unbelievable how many features and permissions that we've had to build. I think over 7,000 that have to be controlled every single day um, and how um, secure this network has to be for this to work. Um, but what we're seeing ultimately is that uh, laws are changing because we understand how uh, how burdensome it can be, even just in the medical world of information sharing, just my medical records, let alone what's my social care record, right? Is there one? Um, and so now we're bringing that all together to say, how can we build the best experience for consumers that have needs? And how do we, how do we protect that information? How do we connect them? And then how do we ensure that they get those services every time? I wouldn't be surprised if your legal department is as large as your, as your coding department. And is and the best department for sure. I mean, they, yeah, they were they work very very hard. Yeah, we could not do that without them. For sure. um, access to educational opportunities and affordable quality childcare. These are two things we've talked about a lot at the City Club. Are two other social determinants of health. How is Unite Ohio working to address those particular issues? So, um, Sufira, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, we have been really working closely with you know Tri C Cleveland State. Um, trying to make sure when we screen, uh, screen our clients, you know, we were actually in the COVID clinics, um, the vaccination clinics. While you wait for 15 minutes after you get your shot, we were asking people to complete the SDOH survey so that we could follow up real time. You know, and the number of people that are saying, you know, unemployed seeking employment um, is huge. Um, so educational opportunities, employment opportunities. So we're really targeting them. We've just started working with organizations like Head Start and things like that with childcare. Um, what we have found so far is is the biggest um, need that is a little bit frustrating is housing. 
Um, you know, we just do not, you know, it's a big ticket item. It's really tough. We've got, you know, lots of money coming into the city to address housing, but it's really hard to, to complete all the paperwork and the applications and connect those patients with um, timely housing. And, and I think we're only going to see that get worse. Is it family housing or is it is single adult housing? I think it's both. Uh-huh. That's fascinating. I think it's both. But that is yeah. like, I mean, how, as, as you quoted Dr. Boutros earlier, housing is health care. It really is. Um, Dr. Barmel, how about private practices? How can they become connected with Unite Ohio? We talked about federal quali- federally qualified health centers uh, earlier, but what about private practices? So we, we actually have, are having a conversation. We have a quality alliance of physicians who are in private practice but affiliated with the hospitals. And um, I think they are very excited to learn about Unite Us and be part of the network. If As long as you're on EPIC and part of the electronic health record, actually, you can have access to Unite Us. The main issue is that for them, it's who is doing the screening and then who is actually responding when somebody identifies a need. And so instead of having to fax paperwork over to like uh, a community-based organization to meet the need, we can just now do it electronically. So private practices are part of the conversation as well, but as long as they're affiliated. And you know, just one point of clarification, you do not have to be an Epic user. Unitas is EHR, electronic health record, agnostic. And that was one of the the key features because we do have different health systems that are on different uh, electronic health record platforms here in Northeast. Yeah, Ohio. and just to on that, we have we have users that are going to be in our network that are not even on Epic and so are going to be using the web pace, but they they directly interface with community members, whether or not they are our patients, because they do a whole host of community-based programming. So that was really important to us as well, to make sure that we had users that didn't even have access to the electronic health record, but could use a web-based platform. Dan Brillman, you earlier mentioned that you're in 42 states. Um, what's going on with those eight states that don't yeah. that haven't welcomed you in yet? And but this is the first. Is it your so is is Ohio then the 42nd state that 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 you're you're in? I think it was the 41st. I think 41st. 41st. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're obviously growing, but like what what holds you what holds places back from engaging with you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, before it was, you know, we we needed a core partner to kind of bring us there in the past. Um, and so, you know, the conditions have to be right. And and that's an important factor. And I would say in all 50 states, it's right. But the question is, how fast can we get there now as a company? And so for us, you know, we used to say, OK, let's let, you know, a, a customer or a partner, you know, wants to do this. They're going to come to us. And I think that those tables have turned a little bit because of COVID. And so we are building actually in those states as, <laughs> that we are missing um, as well, because ultimately people need services. And so we know that once they build it, people will come. Uh, and we've proven that like a state like North Carolina, just within two years, we have almost, I think every health system, almost every health system, every insurance company and thousands of social services, public health, all the, all the organizations, physician practices, uh, FQHCs, they're all in the network and they've been in the network. Now it takes, you know, it takes time to get to that level of scale across an entire state, uh, but we know we can do that everywhere. Uh, and to, and we're really on a mission to make this a standard for generations. And so for that to happen, you have to build that infrastructure first. And we said the time is now to do that. Are you, what, what is your connection with the, with the Medicaid system? I mean, because it, it seems to me that that's like, yeah. like that's the, that is a lot of the population you're trying to serve. 
Yeah, we so we serve all populations. We work in, in the Medicare, we work in commercial space, but Medicaid was where um, right after veterans, it was it was the next step for us to work with Medicaid um, health plans, and and we did that big in in uh, in New York. Um, moved into obviously North Carolina was a big one, um, and then in uh, Oregon, I think we work with them almost all of the Medicaid health plans now, and and the. The great part about this work is that it's not just about one health plan saying, I'm doing this and, and then no one else does it. Like eventually everyone says, why wouldn't I be doing this? Because it's not like everyone's on a Medicaid health plan forever. They move plans, right? People shift, may they move into Medicare, they may become both, they may go into commercial, and ultimately everyone wants them healthy. People don't want anyone to be costly, so uh, why, why wouldn't we all be involved in this? And that's led to uh, great governance that brings everyone together to make shared decisions together, even if they're competitors, uh, which is important. So Medicaid is, is, a, is a big uh, play for, for the organization uh, and to be able to improve people's health, you know, and, and seeing a lot of also very quick wins. There, there are people that need help um, today, and we can get them help today. Excellent. Um, has Unitas found a way to bill insurance providers for this program? And if not, how will healthcare organizations, especially smaller ones, manage to pay for this? Yeah. Um, so we've started to uh, a couple states that I'll point out that uh, that allow for this now. Uh, so North Carolina through Medicaid is has what's called the healthy healthy opportunities, which is uh, six hundred and fifty million dollars of reimbursement for social services, literally using medical dollars that would otherwise be used for a doctor's visit or a surgery for rental assistance, for housing, for transportation, for non-medical services. Um, and so that came from, from CMS. Um, and so that's, that is a great stepping stone to uh, how you reimburse um, services. Now that is $650 million. We can do a lot with $650 million in, in North Carolina. Um, but in California next year, there's what's called in lieu of services, which is the health plan can say, I can offer um, and, and actually provide any any of these social types of services and, and get reimbursed under, you know, under medical care for those things. That is very new. So this market is moving very quickly. And California is almost a country, right? It's a, it's a huge state and with a lot, of, a lot of population. And so allowing health plans to do that, uh, and that's in Medicaid, right? That's really important. A couple of years ago, Medicare Advantage uh, broadened the scope of what they can pay for. So now they offer all these supplemental benefits um, to be competitive, to offer better patient and, and member experience under Medicare Advantage, which is, which is great. So that's already starting. And that's grown by, I think, 300% of what health plans are offering their patients, which is really great. And so that's around reimbursement. I mean, these are things that have to get reimbursed. This is food delivery and things like that, which is great. You know, this brings to mind a question about um, kind of why we haven't done this already. In many ways, this seems like sort of super obvious. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that was missing, I guess, was the technology. But it, it never required technology to build a referral system that works. And this is, this is essentially a, a, a very robust referral system. Dr. Barmal, why, why, why haven't we done this yet? Yeah, I think the right we're just in the right time right now. The incentives are aligning in healthcare, partially, largely driven by the Affordable Care Act. Um, we're seeing more and more interest in reimbursing, recognizing actually, as you mentioned, that 80% of a population's health is outside of medical care. And so being able to reimburse that to keep people healthy, moving the shift to population health, which means 
moving instead of delivering services and fee for services, moving to value and being responsible as a healthcare organization for the outcomes, the health outcomes. And then if you're responsible for the outcomes, it doesn't matter how you get there. You still want, you want to make sure that that patient is healthy and there's this greater recognition that that comes from things other than medications um, and doctor visits. It actually comes from stepping outside of the healthcare system into the things that we've been talking about, these social determinants, housing, utilities, food, um, that have a huge influence on health. So I think all of these incentives and largely driven, quite frankly, by the Affordable Care Act and moving towards value is part of the reason that we're seeing this. Um, it's it's a, basically you cannot, it's the health um, of a healthcare organization is inextricably linked now to the health of the community and the patients surrounding it. So if you're, you, you've been, a, uh, when you were at the VA, I'm sure you were part of conversations like this. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, in my experience, in my experience here in Cleveland for the last 15 or 16 years, I mean, I've been a part of many conversations about these sorts of things, you know, going back to 10 years ago when we first began to talk about how zip code is sort of healthcare destiny or health, health outcome destiny. Um, does this feel fundamentally different? Or, I mean, I, I really hope that it does, because if it doesn't, <laughs> we're just spinning our wheels. But how does it feel yes. to you? So it certainly does, you know, and, and coming from the VA healthcare system, you know, we were um, graded on how healthy our veterans were going back decades and really looking at population health. And, you know, the VA has had the opportunity to look at vocational rehab and homelessness and, and really moving upstream well in advance of, of many of our other clinical partners, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm at Metro um, now to really take advantage of some of those things that I learned and move them forward. But I think Unitas is really fundamentally different um, because it's making it a lot easier and more efficient for the frontline staff, the people that need to make these connections. Um, you know, there's not little pieces of paper. It's not a directory on the, the cubicle wall saying, okay, well, what's the number now? Is this organization still open? What are the hours? You know, asking the patient to make the call themselves, asking the patient to repeat the story to several different places, and then really not knowing what, what resulted in that. So, you know, the goal of this is through this, you know, bi-directional platform that is transparent. And the other thing we haven't talked about is, you know, every patient is a unique identifier. So there, you know, there could be 10 Jane Doe's, but each one of them is going to be unique. So if Jane Doe goes to the clinic or university hospitals or Metro, we're all going to be able to link and see what was done for Jane Doe, which I think is really, again, making us um, a better health record rather than an electronic health record, you know, a whole person health record. It's really augmenting. So I do think it's fundamentally different. Dan Brillman, uh, as you look ahead, you said you want to, this is a generational challenge. Um, what is the, uh, the I, I keep using this metaphor of the white whale because um, I really loved Moby Dick, but what is your white whale? Like, what are you after? You know, you've, you've built, obviously, a very strong platform that is changing lives and changing health care, but there's, a, there's probably, I suspect, a bigger thing out there you're trying to conquer. Yeah. One thing I'd like to look at is the past and, you know, what's an example of um, something that's happened 30 years ago? And I bring up mental health as, a, as an example of something that was not paid for as a medical service 30 years ago. You walked into someone's house, you paid them some cash, right? You got uh, whatever you needed. 
no one questions that mental health and substance use treatment are, are reimbursed services today, right? Um, now, there's not enough of them. We can understand that, right? And we're working on supply, but no one questions that. And so how do we take all of these social care organizations and these services and bring them to that level? And so that's, that's the economic part of that. Uh, and I think we're going to get there. So that's, I will feel great when those organizations, right, are treated the same way. That, that's one part. The second part is about the patient. And I, uh, you know, love them or not, everyone, a lot of people use Amazon. And so we think about our customer experience using Amazon and I have Prime. And so, you know, I get upset when uh, my package isn't here in a couple of days and I order something. And so why shouldn't our experience as patients be like that? And that requires, think about what Amazon did with supply. Right? They built the whole logistics system. They figured out all the nodes of who's, who sells all the things in the world and centralized it for the person buying it. We should have an experience for integrated health and social care in that same experience. So that would make me feel good. It gives me the chills to talk about it like that. Um, but I think we all should drive towards that. Um, and that requires some baseline infrastructure to be able to do that. And I think we're, we're in the early days of that, but we're making so much impact already that you know, there's line of sight to that type of experience. Dan Brillman is the co-founder and CEO of Unite Us. They have just come to Ohio in these la this last year to form Unite Ohio, starting with the Cleveland Clinic and Metro Health System. Sue Fuhrer is with Metro Health. She's president of the Hope uh, of the Institute for Hope, Housing Opportunity, um, and uh, Something and Empowerment. What is the P? Health Opportunity Health, Partnership. Health Opportunity Partnership Empowerment. I apologize for not for not getting that right. Next time I see you. <laughs> and Dr. Nazleen Barmal is Associate Chief of Community Health and Partnerships at the Cleveland Clinic. Thank you so much, all three of you, for your time today. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Thank everyone. you. Thanks also to our member Thank sponsors, you. donors, and others who support our mission to create conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. We've got a, some great conversations coming up this month. Next Friday, we'll talk with three local leaders in the Asian American Pacific Islander community about the recent rise in hate crimes against that community. And on May 20th, it's our annual State of the County Address with Cuyahoga County Executive Armin Budish. You can find out more and see, see what else is coming up at cityclub.org. You can check out what you missed there or on PBS Passport, Roku, Amazon on Firestick, Vimeo, and of course our YouTube channel as well. I'm Dan Malthrop. Stay close in your hearts, my friends. We will be close in person again very soon. Our forum is adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.